here is the situation, folks. I don't have a written intro in front of me, so you're going to come along the ride just as we are doing this right now. Today, we have an iconic detour. And this iconic detour specifically is thanks to anytime you drive on the highway now and you see some sort of truck pulling a truck full of logs, a whole thing of cars, some sort of animals being pulled by something. It creates every sort of problem in your brain when you think that they're all going to fall and immediately kill me or I'm going to die in some sort of horrific accident. Some meteor is going to fly through my chest into the swimming pool party that I'm at, ruining my night. Um, Our trusty co-host and member of the podcast, at least, was going to get into it when we get there. But as always, this is the Parking Lot Podcast with your friends, Kate Latimer, Maggie Prince, Elise Bailey, and myself, Ella Chinetta, coming off the cuff because I'm chill and cool. And... Today we're taking a detour, so buckle up and don't get on planes when people start screaming. Enjoy. Um, before we get into our weeks here, I want to um, say a little message, give a little prayer, if it would be. Um, just to say how thankful I am for all the times I've had good customer service via email. Oh, okay. And in person, too. But in this case, it's more specifically via email because there's been a recent problem in the Janetta household where a certain treadmill that has been part of my family for a very long time has recently decided to just stop working. Mm -hmm. We have had it since 2002 because I've looked up every single manual for it in the past 14 hours to try and figure out what's wrong with it. And it's kind of locked up in this very steep incline position and just kind of shows this error message. So who in your family uses the incline position? Apparently no one, but someone must have put it in that incline and because it got stuck. It's, was it me? Cause I ride the bike anyway, mm. it got stuck. So my dad has then said all of a sudden I'm going to start exercising again. I'm like, that's great. That's great. And then I go to say, well, you know, the treadmill does not work. Right. It's like, what? I was like, well, only you or Oliver could have, anyway. So I have been kind of, not shouted at, but aggressively inclined to kind of figure out what the issue is. So I look up the website, look up the place that this treadmill is from. But since the treadmill is so old, the company that makes the treadmill is no longer in business. Okay. Their website no longer exists. Got so it. it kind of transfers you to a treadmill doctor website and they have like a portal you can email them and like send in what your issue is and i was like okay great take some pictures send some screenshots of the manual figure out what's going on here do that send it boom i wait and they say like it's probably going to take about one business day and so i'm waiting and then in the middle of the day i get an email back that just says it's probably uh <laughs> there's no hi elliot there's no like subject, it just says like this ticket has been taken. Someone's going to respond to you soon. And then this person responds. Will I don't get their the, name. Will you read the thread? I'll read the thread too. I think you have to read the thread for the real. But I've Please been also read the thread. explaining it to Elise because I'm like, is this, is this something that normally happens? I've never had this scenario happen before. And I've, you know, I've dealt with uh, customer, customer service, service. I've before. I've sent a few emails in my day. And so I, I get uh, this email back that has no two Elliot, no anything, no, no from anyone, none of the, from no the company, signature. whatever. Is it like an automated email? It just, no, it's not an automated oh, okay. email because it's very much written by a person because it has weird spacing and spelling. Great. Where this person just decided to write, sounds like an incline error caused by incline motor. 
End of email. End of email. <laughs> One sentence. You're like, uh-huh. Okay. I'm like, okay, great. We're and then I, there. I simply send a one sentence reply back. Good. Any suggestions on how to fix that? <laughs> and there's no name to address it to. No, no name, nothing. And so the email is just tickets. <laughs> He's like, you must not know what your problem is. And you're like, no, no, I got it. So maybe two and a half hours later, I get another one sentence response. Mm-hmm. Would have to replace the incline. Sorry. Would have to replace the incline motor with pot and the elevation pot is no longer available. And then <laughs> I was like, okay, just no solution. With so, pot. so is it not fixable? <laughs> what am I supposed to do here? And basically just kind of, I sent a little bit longer messages being like, so where am I in the standings of this getting fixed and yeah. me not getting beaten alive by my father? Yeah. And the person replied one last time where here, I'm going to pull it up everybody. Cause it's, and then the last one was just like sent to my, junk mail for some reason okay your inbox was like this this in the middle of a thread (laughs) it just went to junk right so i replied the the third time now saying so is this not fixable or is there some way to have someone come in and try to fix it It would be great to have some solution or resources to be able to fix this like even if you don't send someone send me a youtube link send me something just give me some sort of remnants of hope that i another can, company I can, who has can, your pot motor i can fix this scenario and i'm like showing this to elise i'm like what is going on like what what is this this it's like the website looks fine like it looks like they like specialize in ordering specific parts for yeah these treadmills or whatever maybe and he's just going through a high stress week in his life and he can only address one thing at a time <laughs> on the brink yeah and the final reply being again just one line not from They're anyone so brief says you can try to have a tech out and look at it, period. <laughs> a tech out. A tech out. What does that mean? Like a tech group? Like a tech person? Do you Who am I calling? Them? Am I calling Best Buy? Like what, what is the tech? Am I calling the Geek Squad? Kijiji. I guess. Tech guy. What's the name of this website? It's called um, treadmilldoctor.com. Anyway, the issue has not been solved. Have you followed up to that email? Because it seems no. like you're in the middle of asking I'm, for... I'm not, I have not responded to this one because I don't necessarily know if I want the reply that I'm right. going to get. I think right. I'm ready to call and A, try to fix this problem and B, say this is some of the worst customer service I've ever experienced yeah. in my yeah. life. I'm they ready to call that They do have a toll-free number, so maybe tomorrow I will... Sounds like phone call time. Bridge to the phone. That's so exciting. Anyway, that was my... Uh, customer service of the day that's horrendous i imagine it's like a dude who like occasionally checks this email first for an account he forgot he was running yeah and is like has no uh stake in the game no as to whether your treadmill gets fixed no doesn't want his information out there to then link back to these horrible replies obviously but little did he know you have a podcast yeah. and you are going to blast I will, I will them. I will air out my dirty laundry here. <laughs> Cancel them. And I will <laughs> bring all the treadmill repair websites down from the inside. Has your father mentally prepared for the idea that every 20 years you need to buy a new treadmill? Uh, no, he has not. Okay. But we're fastly approaching Because I that. don't know what the, the lifespan of a treadmill is, but 20 years seems pretty good. Yeah. And we've had other people come and fix it before, uh, according to him. And I said, well, 
Why don't them. call those people? I don't know who they are yeah. or what they <laughs> I was probably what a is, child when they yeah. came to That's fix That's Devil it. Wears Prada. Call those guys like from 10 years ago. Eight or nine. Yeah. So, <laughs> I Elliot, don't why didn't you take down their number? Why did you get a card? <laughs> it says the average. my Rolodex. The average life of a treadmill is 10 years. So. There you go. So maybe it's uh, done. Quitting time. No, maybe it's not. It sounds like there's a very, you just need a pot motor and a technician. So you're. Right. The pot motor, which they do not make anymore. Well, well they don't, but I'm sure so. there's going to be an equivalent so. pot motor supplier. I guess so. Let me know if you want me anyway, to get involved as well. Anyway, that's the energy we're getting into this with. Yeah. Um, yeah. And jumping off that, Kate, how's your week been? I know we are recording this in a weird schedule where we've literally seen each other every day since the last time we recorded this, but truly still, how's your time? How's it going? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's been, um, uh, we've hung out quite a bit for the past few days, which has been nice. Um, but I think I'm ready to jump into one of my new life updates because, uh, last time you heard there's probably some squeaking in the background and that was a dog, uh, chewing a toy and I wasn't ready to get into it, but now I am. Uh, so as you heard, I was going to adopt a puppy and, um, I found a dog online who I fell in love with and it just, it moved pretty fast. we got, we got into the fast lane. His foster mom was going on a business trip. They were like, can you take him this weekend? And I was like, all right, let's go. Mm. So it was before I was expecting to have a dog and the dog Saturday morning, Lisa and I go to pick up my puppy, Billy, half lab, half pit bull. He's such a nice boy, but, um, such a like overwhelming feeling of panic hit me that first weekend Mm -hmm. where I realized I was so in over my head. And then that was followed by a week of like productions where this new puppy was needing to be left at home by himself in his crate. Uh, so I was like a series of asking favors of roommates, getting my mom to dog sit, like walking the dog at 5 a.m. because I had a 7 a.m. call time. It was just like diving headfirst into this new life that I wasn't really ready for. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I've grown as a person a lot in the last week because Billy and I are going on nine days together and um he and i are very bonded he if i leave a room he just sits by the door until i get back which is pretty cute um and i do love him a lot but i have made the very difficult decision that i will be fostering this puppy until he finds his forever home because i think he needs a place to run he needs a family he needs a yard so um i just feel very weird and unsettled and like not like myself and I don't know if I will until sort of my norm is restored, which could be who knows when. Right. It's also just you know, to mention, like, I don't know what the entire process of fostering a dog is in the first place. But even from the beginning mentioning of you being interested in, in getting a dog. Yeah. A job. Dog. Uh, <laughs> a jog. To. The dog appearing at my house. To the dog actually very much being there was extremely was quick. Basically 48 hours. Yeah. It no, happened it like was longer than that, but it happened very quickly. So, yeah. Well, I went through, I like, I've always wanted a dog and then I got home from a trip and my best friend had gotten married. My roommate was moving out with her partner. One of my other roommates was maybe going to move out with her partner. And I think I was just having like a, a little panic moment. Mm-hmm. I was like, you know what? We'll fix this. Uh, a dog. Mm. And it turns out a dog 
doesn't answer your problems. It just no. sort of... It's actually a whole different one. Yeah, it's just a new, a problem new problem that you can deal with along with your other ones. So for anyone thinking about getting a dog, I mean, he's the best, but I would say... Like, Think about it. Yeah, he's not a he's not a answer to your problems. And puppies have very loose poops. I'll I'll tell you that right now. He also likes to eat dead pigeons. And sometimes all you have is your bare hand and so you have to pull out the dead pigeon with your bare hand. Um <laughs> uh, he also yeah, he's just he's a mess. Mm-hmm. So, it's been like a humbling week, I would say. Totally. But I'm going to be stronger on the other side of it. Yeah. And now you're ready for marriage. That's true. Yeah. Elise was comparing it to like a relationship. And I was like, oh, okay. Is that what that is? <laughs> it's a lot of work. Sometimes Elliot eats stuff that he shouldn't eat and I have to pull it out of his mouth. Yeah. Sometimes I feel sick. <laughs> yeah, and then you feel Sometimes sick I get those poops. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah. Do you have to pick them up if yeah, he shits usually. on the street? Yeah. Well, sometimes he, we're not going to get into it. <laughs> Never mind. No, let's really dive in. <laughs> I'm just saying it's not that different than having a significant other. Mm -hmm. I would just like to say it's been very nice to have the support system for the last week. I've really like leaned on uh, the people in this room and like my boss and Elise's boss, (laughs) (laughs) uh, my roommates and Andrew shout out to Elise's um, half brother for the, uh, the advice over the, Mm -hmm. from Texas very appreciated anyway yeah that's that's sort of like my life right now yeah he Um, is here he's chilling over there he's being super quiet he's just having a snooze he's been a good boy for the first time in six hours um elliot how was your week uh my week has been great great oh my god fantastic wow um it's it's one of those things where um you watch something, mm-hmm. see something, ingest oh. something, mm-hmm. and it quickly is becomes apparent that it's like this might be one of my favorite things of all time. Right. This might be the one of the greatest things I've ever witnessed in my cinematic viewing career. Wow. And that is linked to none other than the season finale of House of the Dragon. Um, I'm not going to go too into like specifics for you, Kate, just because I, do I hope that you do it watch really it. Hyped it. And I won't spoil anything for anybody who hasn't watched it, but the finale did happen. And I feel like a lot of people were going into it, wanting this kind of full scale war to kind of start. And it's been kind of chug, 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 chugging up to that point. And like the knives are out, people are ready, but they do practice restraint and they do kind of say like, no, you know what? This is, this is going to play out. Give and this peace is a gonna, chance. This is, no, it's not give peace a chance. It's let's <laughs> fuck shit up right away. Sorry, Tracy. But it's so very sorry, quickly to like, the way that the episode ends, it's mm-hmm. just like next season. It's like, let's, it's going to be all out fire all the time. Yeah. And it's just going to get stuff done. And it's, I'm I'm almost shocked at how much I've enjoyed these 10 episodes and especially coming off of, you know, you could write a book about the terrible, uh, upsetting kind of end point that the original Game of Thrones series kind of leaves off on. And wow, they just like on like going from all the cards stacked against you they had really no reason for it to be gun. it kind of feels like a cash grab why are we doing this oh it's about this thing it's only this amount of time 
whew, they killed it. It is yeah. fucking awesome. Sorry, Tracy, but it is such well delivered television and it just kind of focuses in on what made those first few seasons of Game of Thrones so good. All the political intrigue and not kind of relying too heavily on these kind of grand scale battles and the action sequences. And they do happen and they are amazing and they feel really well earned, but it just kind of goes over this like kind of longer period of time and a shorter amount of episodes kind of jumping back and forth. It can feel a little bit jarring, but the amount of time that they cover and what they hit and the characters and everything, it's just, I, I think it's like, it's up there with, I would say, and Elise, correct me if I'm wrong, but like I would almost put it up there with like season one of True Detective level, like, level good. Really? Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. I'm okay. And it's also made, you know, Elise hasn't watched pretty much any of the original series and she's just kind of like, what? What am I going to do for another year or two years when this is going to come back? And I was like, well, we have eight seasons of a show that we could go through to get you ready for whatever the other one is. And it was so heartbreaking on Sunday night to not go on YouTube and see what the next yeah. uh, like the sneak peek for next week was. I was like, oh, there's nothing to sneak peek. It's just fucking White Lotus. Sorry, Tracy. It's just but done We need to get forever. a Sorry Tracy shirt. Yeah. Uh, well, like I've watched ga- like I've, I've watched enough of the original Game of Thrones to know like what happens and to who the characters are and like when we were watching the new like House of the what do they call it? Hot D? Hot D, yeah. <laughs> watching House of the Dragon Hot or House D. House of D. Yeah. House of the D. Like when they'd say like, you know, Barris Baratheon, I was like, oh, I know who that is. Storm's End. We've never seen that place before. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, stuff like that. Yeah. I understood that. Um, but I think this is like the first time I've ever felt like I understood what was going on in this show because I had enough context from the previous one that like even though it's a different story, I like kind of understand how this game is going to work. Oh, yeah. Um, I guess like the one thing I don't love is the fact that like the we jump so far ahead in time and they do it so well of like, cause we need to hit these beats. Cause at least every single thing we see and every jump in time has meaning and it gives context to what's about to happen next. But it means that like you, just as you start to understand these characters and maybe be able to predict their uh, behaviors and understand their motivations, there's a time jump and something's happened in that time that we didn't see. And now they're kind of a different person. Mm-hmm. And now they have this new persona that like, you're catching up with along with the story beats. So that to me is the only thing where like, I feel like I don't get to sit in anything and all of a sudden I'm like, Oh right. You're a dick now. We have 200 years to cover in however many seasons that they tried to just do this. Right. Yeah, exactly. Which is cool. And they're doing such a good job of it, but that's the only thing where sometimes I'm like, Oh, I just understood how to, how, what's going to happen. And Mm -hmm. now it's changed a bit. Um, but other than that, I think it's such clever writing. It's it's so well done. There's so much detail and intricacy and and world building that mm-hmm. like just we were watching uh you were watching Lords of the Lords of the Ring, <laughs> Lord of the Rings alongside this. And I would watch that kind of in the same capacity with you. And I just I could not care. I couldn't get into it. There's just something about it that just doesn't enthrall me the same way and kind of draw me in. It's just different kind of fantasy altogether. And I do really like the Lord of the Rings show as well, but just it's it's almost in a completely different category in terms of like high fantasy versus just kind of these. It'd be like watching um, the Dark Knight versus watching a more fantastical kind of Superman Batman movie where like lore is involved and kind of like there's incredible amounts of lore in House of the Dragon, but it's just it's so deeply rooted in just the relationships between some of the characters yeah, and just you can tell by watching it that they've had 
10 years of experience to kind of look back on and know where to change it. Right. And there's just some fucking shots in this. Sorry, Tracy, but like in the last like <laughs> episode, especially there's this guy rides this dragon. He lands in this, uh, town, like this kind of, uh, sorry castle where he's gonna like deliver this news and like it's like a rainstorm and he like looks back and turns around and like while the thunder hits you see a different dragon like what's way way bigger like just be illuminated by the lightning bolt and you're like oh my god this is the coolest <laughs> thing that's ever been there. and it's just like Stuff's gonna go they down, play right? with the just the tension so well and the last two episodes are just like kind of seeing this conflict from the one side and then the other side and giving both the sides to shine. Mm -hmm. They got, the only thing I would also say is just, they went so hardcore into a lot of really visceral birthing, mm. terrible, well, I don't know, shouldn't say birthing, but like really awful childbirth scenarios. Mm. Like I think there's almost four or five and it just yeah, gets now whenever someone's pregnant or going to give birth, you're like nervous. You're like, this yeah, is going to go, is gonna well. go horribly. And the last one was, particularly difficult oh, to God. watch yeah but um yeah if like i would almost say watch this season before you would even go into game of thrones game of thrones just because it's done it's on it's on a different level where it's just like they've learned everything and i think there's so many great parts of seasons one through four and parts of five and six of game of thrones but it's just like this is kind of like learned all those lessons and they're hitting it right out of the gate yeah yeah um yeah i did i do have issues with having to like remember so many characters names but when they're all like the same name yeah yeah I, i'm gonna get through i'm gonna power through i'm gonna give this a try it's definitely um if you're going in cold to watch with subtitles very much helps okay just to see everybody's name and there's a lot of people who have Aegon and then Aemond and then yeah. Raymond and no one's name is Raymond. Just kidding. But there's but just I love Raymond. Luceris, Viserys, Rhaenys. Yeah. Rhaegar, Vagar, Rhaenyra, Rhaenys. Kind of all kind of similar. Ordinarily that is a, a deal breaker for me, but I'll I'll go for it. Yeah, it's worth it. Um, Sir Criston. It's I'm, helpful if you can see like a face to the name. Yeah. Yeah. Like and you're life. always just, no matter what, you'll remember exactly who Matt Smith is and who he kind of aligns his stuff with. Amen, yeah. Amen. Anytime I see promo um, shots or stills from the show, I'm always like, oh, he's in it as well. Yeah. Oh, she's in it as well. Yeah. It's a, a pretty great cast. Yeah. Gets gets a real big two thumbs up for me and from Elise. Mm hmm. Yeah. Give it a watch. Give it a watch. Also, Bad, Mo uh, bad Sisters pretty good just if we're talking shows oh yeah and there's a new season of handmaid's tale that's really good mm. oh i do have one more shout out to give though while we talk about this is to our girl shanny t friend of the pod uh who shanny t never heard of her just kidding shannon shannon um shannon made a very gracious offer today because we were talking we were doing our debrief and i I do for the first time in my life feel the dread that you have felt for the last six years or however long you've been watching the show as it came out. Yeah. Uh, you've been caught up where the show ends and you're like, that's it. That's it for many, many months. So yeah. Shannon offered to speed read the book and then uh, act out no. an episode every Sunday. Oh, perfect. So that way I like, you know, it's still happening for me. And I, I might take her up on that. You that's want, what an offer. You want to go in Shannon. fresh. You don't want to know what's happening. Are these uh, of Game of Thrones? Of like the book that this of show's the, based the on. Fire and oh, the hot book. Hot uh, oh, they're this is based on a book as yeah. well. Yeah. Got it. 
Um, Shannon, what a what a selfless person. Yeah. Please. If you're putting, I mean, she's, she works in theater. It's probably going to be like Shakespeare in High Park. Yeah, but mm-hmm. I'm, that's what I want. I mean, winter edition. I mean, the whole show is very Shakespearean. So Winter mm-hmm. is coming. Oh my God. What if that, oh, that's so smart. Yeah, that doesn't come till way later. That's- Canadian stage takes on Game of Thrones in yeah. High Park. Mm-hmm. The prequel. The, the prequel. prequel. That's not aired yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> One woman show. By Shane E.T. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So thank you, Shannon, and thank you for understanding my pain. Yeah. Um, but Elise, how's the rest of uh, your week? Uh, I mean, uh, it's been pretty similar yeah. to both of your weeks. Yeah. <laughs> I, I must say, everything you guys mentioned also happened to me. Yeah. Um, I did go pick up my laptop for my Halloween costume. I think I mentioned last time that I called somebody at an electronics store to pick up a broken laptop. And I went to the store to pick it up and there was a woman there who's not the person I spoke to on the phone. And I said, hi, I'm here to pick up uh, like a broken laptop. She was like, oh, yeah, yeah, okay. And I'm like, yeah, but like it's it has to be broken. Like I'm getting like a 13 inch MacBook that's broken. She brings me a computer that's like been fixed. And I was like, no, that's not my computer. I need it to be broken and still not working. And she literally was like, What? <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I spoke to someone about this. She's I'm like, paying $50, which is too much, but that's the price I put down. Yeah. And she was like, are you bringing in a broken laptop? And I was like, no. And then I was like, I spoke to a gentleman on the phone and she waves him over. He gives me the laptop. We have a whole laugh about it. He's like, to be honest, actually, some people do come in and want broken electronics because they go to Ryerson and they're in the art program. Uh, but anyways, <laughs> like, I tell you, because they go to Ryerson and they don't need laptops at work. <laughs> they go to TMU. Uh, but anyways, that was like the highlight of my weekend. Uh, and then I did try to haggle. I was like, how much do you want for it? And he's like, how much will you give? I was like 40. He was like, mm, he said 50 on the phone. Oh no, he said 60. And then I was like 40 and he was like 50. And I was like, oh, the number we already agreed on. So that was just a little act out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was Similar like, to Shannon. Yeah. It was like, uh, let's see who remembers what we both do. <laughs> uh, I'm really impressed the lengths you're going to for this costume. Yeah. Well, we've now as a group been invited to two parties, so we could we could double dip. Yeah, we must start at one, go to the next. Do I have a costume yet? No, no. Uh, But other than that, it's been like a just a social weekend. It's going to be a social week. I'm starting to hit that wall of like, oh, my God, I have so many things to do. When am I going to just get to lay down in the darkness and not speak to anybody? Yeah. So I'm looking forward to that. Please don't ask me to hang out. (laughs) She's so busy. She doesn't want to see you. Not even busy. It's just like I just have things going on every day that mean that I can't fall asleep at 9 p.m. Which is really the dream. Mm -hmm. So on to the main topic, a detour, if you will. One that ends in blood and tragedy. But we go on anyway. Elise... My friend, my roommate and confidant, why don't you introduce what we're talking about? So when you're hearing this, it will be the weekend of spooky time. Maybe you're going out handing out candy. Maybe you're not. I thought I might do an iconic detour on a franchise. It's not the Friday the 13th franchise. It ain't the Halloween franchise, although we should probably talk about that at some point. And it ain't Jeepers Creepers. What Um, about Scream? Is it Scream? It ain't Scream. It's Final Destination, which I don't think is uh, like as big of a Halloween franchise as I think it deserves to be. I got this feeling. It's a weird feeling. 
cannon starts to shake, right? And, and the, the left side blows up, and then the whole plane just explodes. The plane's gonna explode! It's not a joke! It's not a joke! We get thrown off the plane, all because Browning has a bad dream? Slightly underrated. Slightly underrated. Okay. Well, let's get into it, Elliot. No. Close her off. Let's just say, how did this morning play out? At least scrolling through our podcast episodes. I guess it's my turn to do an iconic detour. And then continues to figure out, I'm trying to give her ideas, trying to tell her, maybe we should do this, maybe do that. I don't want to do that. It's boring. I don't want to. Maybe I'll do a movie. Scrolling through movie. I've seen, just recently, she just finished watching all, how many? Five? Five Final Destination movies and said... Why don't you do Final Destination? And her, You've just been watching those in your own time? And her immediate everything Elliot says is bad attitude. No! And then <laughs> 10 seconds go by. Okay, I'm going to do it. So. I don't think this franchise gets the love it deserves around Halloween time. Because um, it, it, it goes into a territory of scary movie that I'm okay with. I don't like ghouls. I don't like the idea of being hunted by a scary killer. What do I like? Death. I don't like death. I like the inevitability of tragedy. I like the fact that life is fragile, life is fleeting, and it's never promised. Tomorrow is never promised. I say sure. that to Elliot every day. Yeah. Mm. Um, so maybe it must have been like 2009, maybe. I would stay with my uncle sometimes in Hamilton. And uh, this was in the height of burning DVDs. And he somehow had burned for me like every Final Destination movie, but like from the original DVD. So it had all like the extras and all the special features. And uh, he didn't have cable. So I would just like watch these movies all the time. And it's like, I'm okay with, I guess, gore, but this isn't like as like vagrant. Well, it's a slasher movie without the slasher, essentially. Mm. Yeah. The slasher is, in fact, uh, the death himself. It's not as, like, mindless slasher, if that makes sense. Yeah. I don't know. And I guess what I kind of like about these movies is that the main antagonist, the main villain, is actually the concept of death itself. There is no, like, person that keeps coming back from the dead. There is no, like, goose. Goose. (laughs) There's no ghosts. There are no geese. There are no geese, but there's no... I feel like I would maybe like them more if there were more geese. Yeah, maybe. You're right. I'm pro-geese. They're making Final Destination 6, but there's no, like, antagonist. Goose edition. (laughs) Yeah. There's no ghost that you have to do, like, some sort of spell, like, in The Conjuring to, like, summon and then put them into a bottle. It's just like a bunch of these. Are you thinking of a genie? No. (laughs) Okay. You know how in the conjuring, I mean, maybe I'm thinking of a genie, but you also know in the conjuring when they have to like, it's just to say that whole. I like how you're describing all these tropes of horror movies as if they're like bad. Yeah. They're not bad. I'm like, I, everything you're describing, I'm like a fan of. Things that people are actively looking for in a (laughs) horror movie. You're like, you know what this movie has? Nothing. None of those. And that's what makes it great. Roller coasters. It does. That don't work. And the inevitability of tragedy. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to talk about the Final Destination franchise, all five movies. The original movie in 2000 was based on an unproduced spec script by Jeff Riddick, originally written for the X-Files television series, and Mm. then was made into a full-length feature script and distributed by New Line Cinema. Mm -hmm. 
All five films are set around a small group of people who escape impending death after one individual, the protagonist, sees a sudden premonition and warns them about major disaster. And that's about to happen. Mm-hmm. I'm going to pause you, Miss Wikipedia, for a second. Um, Kate, what is your relationship to Final Destination? <laughs> Let's just establish first. Right, our baselines. Yeah. Um, so due to our sort of uh, planning timelines we came up with this topic this morning today yeah (laughs) uh have i seen any of the final destination movies no uh was i familiar with the franchise as like a thing yeah so elise sent me two videos to watch that explained the plot of the first movie Mm -hmm. and that's sort of like where i'm at with final destination the second one explained all of them right oh to give, I, I did watch both videos. Right. To give the audience a kind of, I don't know, boilerplate description of what these movies are about. Essentially, it's a group of people who kind of, an accident happens, but they don't die. So death feels cheated. And then it's almost like I was in the middle of reading the explanation of these movies. <laughs> right. And you I'm just saying. Me. Right. But <laughs> okay. Then to, I guess just to go into what my, I've seen a few of them, but how do you feel about them? I don't love them. Because all the tropes that you're talking about that aren't in this movie are the things that I attach to, right? The slasher movie without the slasher, I like watching Jason kill these idiot teenagers. Yeah. You know who I don't like watching kill teenagers? Barbecues. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And it's, it's too real for you? It's too real. And it's just because there's, I don't necessarily know who you're trying to root for in these movies. Because at a certain point when you watch the sillier kind of horror movies you almost root for the slasher at a certain point just be like cut that dude's head off he's a he's an asshole he's, he, he deserves it or whatever he it should would have be. looked behind him and the fact that he didn't means he should die and i kind of look at these as i don't know kind of an underdog in terms of the horror slasher genre because they haven't been around for forever but they're around long enough for them to have a reboot and for them to kind of wink at the audience and say like hey that reboot it's actually connected to the whole thing like whatever it did because i remember seeing that one but whether it's iconic i'm gonna have to simmer on a little bit while you do your description here please continue so jumping off your point about that after avoiding the foretold deaths the survivors are killed one by one in bizarre accidents caused by an unseen force creating complicated chains of cause and effect and then read the omens sent by one another as an unseen entity and again tries to get order of the universe and avert death. Right. Um, so it's very philosophical. Really, It's very philosophical. Mm-hmm. And I disagree a little bit because I think in every movie starts off with like a group of people that are otherwise strangers that are now thrown into the situation because they've avoided a catastrophe. Yeah. And some of them are dicks and deserve to die. I'm, I'm not going to lie. Some of them you're like, it's coming for you. Yeah. Um, but the franchise is made up of five movies. You got Final Destination, 2000, Final Destination 2, 2003, Final Destination 3, 2006, The Final Destination, 2009, and Final Destination 5, 2011. So pretty much for like 10 or so years straight, they had a movie every two, three years. Right. Um, so many Final Destinations that aren't actually your Final Destination. Yeah, no, it's just, just a, just a pit stop, really. Just a destination. Yeah. The first movie, which I would argue is the best movie, starts off with, uh, we all start with the mo- with the number 180. That's what's the most important number in these franchises, which it has become iconic. I would say when I see the number 180, I get a little nervous. Death is afoot. 
Uh, and so uh, it takes place in the year 2000 in some city in New York. A group of students are about to go on their grad trip to Paris. And uh, Alex, Devin Sawa, he sees a premonition that the plane is going to blow up. And him and half of his friends get off the plane, mm-hmm. flight 180 to Paris. And uh, the plane blows up. And one by one, all the survivors die in these crazy ways. And we have some pretty iconic ones. We have the plane blowing up. We have one that always scares the crap out of me, which is his friend Todd is like all these things try to kill him while he's in the bathroom getting ready for bed. So it's like all of a sudden the toilet starts leaking and the water starts going towards him and you think he's going to either get electrocuted or he's going to slip in it and he ends up getting stuck in a clothesline in the shower and it looks like he killed himself and he didn't. He got tangled up in it. Sure. That's an upsetting way to go. It's a very upsetting in way In the go. review you sent me, um, they were like, it sets a real bleak tone for the entire series when his parents think that he's like killed himself. And in fact, it was just a freak accident. Yeah, it does. And it's like kind of like everything changes after that. It's like, oh, this is real. And then I think as the movie progresses, they all get a little bit more absurd. And then, you know. Do you think it's a PSA against having clotheslines in your bathroom? Absolutely. I've never done that in my yeah. life. Or, Neither have I. Or which... barbecuing or getting laser eye surgery or just being outside. <laughs> I avoid all of those things mm-hmm. currently, actually. Yeah. So I'm, I'm pretty good to go. Yeah. So I watch these movies a lot in my uncle's house. And I very distinctly watch, remember watching the part where Sean William Scott gets like <laughs> decapitated by a piece of shrapnel that gets run over by a train. The whole thing is you think he's going to get hit by a train in the car and he gets out of the car just in time. But then a piece of metal swipes his head in half. Yeah. Those are the things that then I'm like, it's a little ridiculous. Or it's like the teacher, she somehow spills vodka in the back of her computer and it starts a fire. And then she like falls backwards on a knife and all of those kinds of ridiculous things. But it's like it's played so straight in the first movie that you're like, I actually am like kind of frightened. Yeah. You're like, oh, my God, that like these are all like because you see those crazy accidents that do really happen like that. Like it's not totally out there. Right. And this is playing on your love of like a, like a serial killer, like freak accident kind of story. Yeah. Because like I know that. Freddy Krueger is not going to like knife for me from inside in my sleep, but I could very well fall backwards into a clothesline and not be able to untangle myself. So you like how realistic Final Destination movies are? Is yeah. that what you're saying? That's the I like it because it could happen to me. Exactly. It could happen to anybody I know. It's just so realistic. Can I jump in? Um because I just, I mean, I haven't seen the movies as I've said, but uh, like the horror genre, I really enjoy when they're trying, when they're using like horror as a metaphor for something that most people don't have the language to talk about, like grief with the Babadook or like, I can't come up with any other examples right now, <laughs> but when there's something else going on with like, I don't know, the exorcist, like fear of religion or whatever it is. Like, I feel like there are very smart horror movies that are like interrogating something about the human condition. And um, from the description of Final Destination, it seems to be like if you read into it, you could look into like fate. Are they are they like investigating the idea of like free will versus fate? But I don't know how like how um, much they're actually interrogating that idea. And because of that, I feel like it feels a little empty. 
like right. empty yeah. gore. That's I mean, so one thing that the first movie has, which they then explore later in the franchise, is like so Tony Todd plays like the coroner in this town. And so he uh is always the first one on the scene of all these things, and he kind of throughout the he gives the two main characters throughout the movie kind of like these little tidbits of like it's then implied like is he actually death himself like is he the reaper or is he just this like very philosophical small town coroner is he the guy from Candyman? yeah yeah and so he i think he does so good in that role he's so creepy he's so ominous but he kind of says these platitudes about like what it which i think to your point is like maybe a little ham-fisted or like not subtle enough right it's like kind of telling you what to think about it but i think it's more just that like Death is the only thing that's certain in this whole world. It's the only thing we can guarantee is going to happen out of anything. Coincidence, whether you believe in religion or not, or you think it's fate or the universe, you can have all of these answers for it, but it is death at the end of the day that's going to get you. And you can't cheat it. It is kind of like, um, to shout out a movie we watched not too long ago, (laughs) The Deathly Hallows, where Mr. (laughs) Death... The oh. three guys cross this bridge. They're supposed to fall, but they're wizards. So maybe, I don't know if there's any sort of wizard hinting in mm. these movies, but they cheat death. But then really, whoever comes out on top always at the end, it's Mr. Death. Death always wins in the end. Yeah. And if you're too scared of death, are you too scared to live? Little did they know, all they needed was the elder wand, that rock, and the fucking uh, tarp thing. Yeah, the, the tarp. Yeah, the cape to become The invisible. air mattress. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Too bad. So is death like a, like an actual um, thinking force in these movies? Yes, death has the, a design. He, he's like playing out these murder scenarios. He's like the most fucked up serial killer there is. No, he's not. He's not doing anything. Oh, he's just... Well, he but is. So he, but he's not like instigating these no, no, deaths. No. You don't see him, but it is implied that death is the one who's kind of yes. making these making things stuff happen. go awry. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like, that's where it kind of gets complicated. And I don't think this movie is as smart as maybe I'm about to give it credit for, but I think it's like, it's almost like father, son, and the Holy spirit. <laughs> he is right. not death itself, but he is like, a, like he is present. He is aware that yeah. like death has a design and that they're trying to cheat death, which is not really going to work. Like, and he helps them figure yeah. out like a pattern. So the first movie's pattern is that like, like all of these teenagers are dying in the order that they would have died had they stayed on the plane. Right. And so they think back to this one guy's premonition. So he sees like how this all goes down and then he freaks out and, you know, some of the people get off the plane with him, not because they're, they believe him, but because of circumstance, they just have to get off with him. Um, So then he has to like kind of figure it out and then try and save them based on that. So he tries to like, get them out of the way, get them out of harm's way. And, you know, by the time he figures it out, it's, he's always like one step behind. Right. But he gets that initial understanding from the coroner who's like, death has a design. Things happen in, for a reason. Things happen the way they're supposed to. But every death still has like a, a supernatural undertone where like the guy will yeah. be in the bathroom. And all of a sudden the outlet just sparks for no exactly. reason. Right. right. So you're just like, Oh, here he comes. And then they kind right. of yeah. they like to do the misdirection where it's like, it's the spark. No, actually it's like a weasel is going to come out of the fucking urinal next to him and crawl up his butt. And then he dies that way. It's like usually how <laughs> that it didn't happens. Happen. But there's my no issue weasels. is then like, if there's some sort of moral, like, you could die at any time, live every day to its fullest. That's not even what they're doing. They're just trying to outrun death. Their lives are just thinking about death and when they're going to die. And that seems like a really uh, weird, like message to send to people. Like you will die 
and you just need to keep running from it. Yeah, but it's kind of like it's almost it's very similar to um, Nightmare on Elm Street in the way that it, it's kind of falls the same kind of beats. It's slowly taking down people. There's just no physical representation of mm-hmm. the right person. So to your point in the second movie where, again, I think as we mentioned that this was a spec script, I don't think they really envisioned this would go past the first movie. So the second movie uh, is like a group of teenagers. It's like one girl. Uh, what's her name? She's AJ Cook. She's from Criminal Minds. Her and her friends are going to drive off, go for some trip on Daytona Beach, and they end up in a pile up on the highway. So that's the one you're talking about, the log one. So she's supposed she gets on the highway. Then like a cacophony of accidents happen. We see that iconic shot of like a truck carrying a load of logs. And then one of the that is an iconic shot. Yeah. Hits the cop car chain of events happens so she freaks out pulls over on the side of the road the cop pulls over with her a pregnant lady gets out to all of those people that would have died in the pile up have now been saved because she's freaking out on the side of the highway and so then they kind of do this thing with the second movie where the more you intervene in death's design the more you actually instigate it so there's all these moments where like there's another i think which is kind of iconic is like this one of the kids uh he's like a teenager who's in a car with his mom and so he's been saved he go. He's like, you know, him and his mom pretty much go back to life as normal. They don't think there's anything weird going on. He goes to a dentist appointment. And all of these things happen at the dentist appointment where you think, like, that's going to be it. To the point where, like, his mouth is pried open and they have one of those, like, comical, like, mobiles with, like... Yeah, it looks uh, like a baby thing that's yeah. put above a crib that has, like, stars and stuff but on it. But it has, like, children fish on it. And it falls in his mouth and he's suffocated and he's been left alone. Or, like, a pigeon flies into the window and you think it's going to break the window and then the fish tank. All of these things happen and he gets to the appointment and it's fine. But the main character, A.J. Cook and the cop, they're, they've figured out what it probably is that's going to kill him and they try to intervene and instead they distract him and he kicks up a bunch of pigeons that hit some construction and something falls down on top of him and kills him. And so had they not done that, he actually probably would have left the appointment fine. Right. So then they also add this trope into the second movie where like she gets clues as to what's going to happen. So she sees the premonition and then she sees these little visions of like how each person's going to die. So she tries to figure out what they are and get ahead of them. Uh, And every step of the way, it actually causes a chain reaction for the next event to happen. So I think that the moral of that one is like, don't live your life trying to outrun death. Just live it. Right, right, right. It's going to happen no matter what. It's not up to you when and where it happens. And by doing so, you're getting in the way. I like that. I can get into, I can get behind that. And so then again, we have the same like kind of coroner beat, but also he gives this new tidbit, which is that like new life breaks the cycle. So she thinks that she's broken the cycle because there's a pregnant woman. She would have been the last person to die in this chain reaction. Um, Allie Larder from the first movie. She plays clear water. (laughs) Amazing name. (laughs) Clear water. (laughs) She so she survives the first movie and she's pretty much checked herself into an insane asylum. So she's in a padded cell. She's free from all things that could even cause her harm. So now she's like, you know what? I'm going to I'm going to break out of the asylum that I put myself in and I'm going to try and help this girl because I see that the same thing must be happening. Mm-hmm. And it's like she's on Route 180 when this happens. Oh, so no. dust and the wind is playing. That's the cue that death's afoot. Mm-hmm. And so by the end of the movie, she's gone through all these crazy things and she's trying to save the pregnant woman and the, the pregnant woman gives birth. So new life that wasn't supposed to live breaks the chain of death. But 
she realizes when she thinks back to her vision, the pregnant woman never died in the pileup. So the curse is not broken. Instead, uh, she just helped a woman give birth. Instead, this woman gives birth, but they have a celebratory barbecue anyways. And one of the guys that was present for some crazy accident ends up blowing up in a barbecue explosion. Yeah. And which Elliot's upset about it. Just that one, one particularly, they're just like, oh, the barbecue just blew up. Like, it's just kind of like, yeah, yeah. a lot of them kind of have this kind of big lead up to be like the guy in the bathroom. Oh, my God. The water's going near the outlet. Oh, my God. His toothbrush won't stop spinning. Oh, my God. This to- toilet's overflowing. He's kind of like, oh, it could happen for anything. But then he just slips and he hits his head or like mm-hmm. you're like, does that? And you're like, yeah, oh, that's what got him. Or like the one that we said those you I came home the one day and you were watching that movie and it's the guy in the dentist appointment it has all this kind of like lead up or whatever. It's just like, oh, things like falling in his mouth and you think something else is going to burn him or something like that. But then he walks outside. He's like, wow, what a nice day. Big piece of glass falls from the sky <laughs> and just crushes him. Yeah. Right. And you're like, oh, my God. Or in that same movie, too, it's like his mom, like now she believes it and now she's freaked out and she's standing in the elevator with another character. And there's like a man with a fake like with a hook for an arm that he's holding like a bunch of dolls or something. And again, this main character has like a vision and she's trying to warn her. She's like, oh, my God, a man with a hook. Like your death has anything to do with a man with a hook. And so she's able to get like one measly phone call out while this woman's in the elevator. And she says, man with a hook. And she sees the guy standing behind her and she freaks out. And because they're in a confined space, her hand gets or her head gets stuck on the hook. And then she ends up somehow being decapitated by the elevator, like trying to escape. But she's stuck. Yeah, because something gets pulled up. Yeah. The thing is going down. But it's creative. It'd be interesting to see if how close this movie came out to... um, saw or this kind right. of influx of people being interested in watching people getting killed in very elaborate grisly ways. And grisly ways. Cause it's kind of a mix between that and then your traditional kind of Friday the 13th type well, vibe, right? The, the, the first two movies came out before saw. Okay. So the first saw movie came out in 2004 oh, and the go. first saw movie I think is arguably quite different um, yeah. because it takes place pretty much mostly in one room. It's that mm-hmm. guy who's chained to the, like whatever the radiator and there's a dead guy on the floor. Right. That's where most of the movie happens. And it's not till like later franchises where they really go crazy with that yeah. whole like gore game. Thing. Right. Yeah. So I think, I think they're kind of different enough, but they just have in common is like, yeah, this torture element. But I'd also argue that like final destination, it's not like, again, there's no, like there's no person doing this to them. There's no yeah. like, way to escape it it's kind of like this is what's gonna happen yeah it's like it's like the mortal combat fatality but without people fighting yeah and like there's another one in this movie that always kind of when i remember being a kid and watching that and that was the one that like messed me up the most is there's like another woman who's been saved by the accident or saved from the accident and she's like in sort of a car accident and her car like ends up uh like being impaled by a bunch of like pvc pipes yeah and so all of these pipes come back through like through the back of her car and they almost hit her in the head but the car stops in time and she's fine but she's trapped and so she's waiting for the fire department to come and like do the jaws of life to pry open her car and in doing so they accidentally trigger the airbag and the force the airbag pushes her her head back back into the pipe And so had they not tried to intervene, she probably would have been fine. I don't know how she would have gotten out of the car. But I remember that being like, but oh. there are a lot of hypochondriacs born out of this movie. <laughs> yeah. I can't go in the car. Yeah. I can't. I'm PVC sorry. pipe? Absolutely not. Um, so what, like, what were you emotions were you experiencing when you first watched these movies? And why do you like to rewatch them so much? 
Um, I guess it was like nostalgia. shock. Yeah, nostalgia, shock. The first time you had nostalgia? Yeah, I had, the, I had nostalgia from when this happened to me the first time. Um, but I think it's because it doesn't have things that I'm traditionally scared of, like ghosts and ghouls and mm. things that I feel like I don't have control over, which seems ironic because you don't have control over when you're going to die. But it makes you feel like that is so inevitable. Whereas like being killed by a ghost, I feel like there's some things I could have done to avoid that. Yeah. <laughs> Move into a different house. Yeah. Don't read that weird Bible that's written in tongues. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's always stuck with me about them, but I guess it's because in a way I don't find them that scary. I think some that's people, a good level of gore you can handle. Yeah. And it's like, it's not something that like, like I, I don't love to watch them with the lights off, but mm-hmm. like, you know, I can sit through this and I'm not like scared. I think I've mentioned before, like one movie that really scares me, even though it's not even that good of a movie is lights out just because of the concept of like, it I was, don't know if I know that one. It's based on a short film where it's like it, the short film is amazing. It's literally just like a woman standing in a hallway. She turns on a light. There's nothing there. She turns off the light. She can see a figure in the doorway. Oof. She turns on the light. There's nothing there. She turns off the light. It's closer. Yeah. <laughs> That's that gives me shivers just hearing about that. Exactly. And then they made a whole movie based on it. And I mean, in the movie, they give it explanation like she was burned and she was crazy. Um, I don't care about that. But that concept in itself scares the crap out of me. Yeah. Whereas it's, like nothing about this really scares me fundamentally. The thing about those movies, though, I went to go see that with mm-hmm. with Elise is, is whenever someone starts crawling on the wall or the ceiling, it's when I start laughing. Oh, I'm no. Like, I, that, this, no. This is no. hilarious. This is when it starts, like, you're like, oh, okay. When if it, it's just a person standing there and it goes off and it goes on, that's more scary, I think, than then you see her, like, crawling on the ceiling. You're like, okay, this yeah. is now Spider-Man territory here. Yeah, like, we got, like, you should try out for the Olympics or something. Like, I just, <laughs> that's when I, I start to think it's like, But I'm that's silly. how you deal with all fear. Yeah. And it works well for the most part. <laughs> the only movie I would argue against that is Hereditary. When that happened in yeah, that, that movie, that scared up. the shit out of me. Oh my me. God, I laughed so hard when you see her in the corner of the room the first time. I was like, this is so wild. I think you've so just wild. shut off your ability to feel fear. <laughs> yeah. She like cuts off her own head. You're like, this is ridiculous. You're missing a gland because or something. Here's the thing is that like, I'm, I'm all for horror, like meaningless horror that just sort of like like going on a roller coaster is just going to give you like some kind of rush, like adrenaline rush. Mm -hmm. Like I'm okay with movies serving that purpose. Um, I, and I think like, there's scream like I rewatched scream on the time Sarah and I rewatched it on Sunday like it still gives me that like jolt of being Mm. a little bit upset so I mean I think finding whatever scares you in that way and then and then calling it iconic for the for the genre of being like but I think we have to like ask ourselves what do we want of our horror movies well actually you just I think that's what scares me is the concept of like thinking you could have prevented something or, or worrying about worst case scenario and it happening because right. then the third movie is the yeah. roller coaster one where that's the iconic one for me having yeah. not seen any of them <laughs> the roller coaster one i think that was actually the first one i watched i think i watched the third one and then i understood it was like a franchise so i went back and i watched the rest uh on my burned dvds <laughs> but the third one is like uh a mary elizabeth winstead gets on a roller coaster with her boyfriend and her group of teen. It's like a teenager fair and uh, she has a vision. Some of them have to get off and the roller coaster goes off track. And the thing that like always bothered me about that one too, is that like what happens is there's a guy who's like classic creepies, like 2000 
man creep. Uh, he's trying to film the boobs of these two girls in front of him, and he has like an like a like a camcorder, and he drops it in the loop de loop, and the the strap gets stuck on the roller coaster tracks, and then when it goes over it, that's how it gets derailed. So it's like a hundred percent preventable problem. Yep. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Who lets somebody go on with a fucking camcorder? I think one of the people's like, don't use that. Anyways, so that one always scared me because like no matter what, when you get on a roller coaster, I think you always have that feeling of like this could go wrong. Yes. More than anything. I feel that more than getting on a flight. I feel that more than getting on a highway. Yeah. It's like on a roller coaster. You're like, what if this goes badly? Yeah. And for her, it did. And then that guilt of she tried to get her boyfriend off and couldn't. And he goes on the ride and he dies. Try to get her off. Yeah. yeah, yeah. She tried to get him off Try just right get- before the ride left. <laughs> Aren't, we Aren't we all? Didn't have enough time. Um, but yeah, and then, and this is, a, the, I think the third one is the only one that really deals with, like, the survivor's guilt. Yeah. Like, all the other movies are just like, okay, out the gate, we have to try and fix this and solve this, and I don't know what's going on. And now that, like, the audience kind of understands, like, okay, death's design is about to happen, and the trope there is that she took pictures that whole night, and so the pictures that she took depict how the people who survived are going to die. There's little clues in the picture. And so she's trying to figure that out. But a good part of the movie is her like dealing with the fact that like she feels like she's about to graduate and now she has like no prospects. Like her friends are dead. Her boyfriend's dead. Like she doesn't even really care about anything. And then she becomes unlikely friends with like her dead best friend's boyfriend who she hated. And they kind of go through this together. Yeah. And so I think that this is like this is my second favorite. I'd say it's the first one. Then the third one. I think that one's really good. And I think that one's the most like closed loop of a movie. And again, they, the uh, coroner's there. He gives his little two cents. Yeah. Um, but to me, the roller coaster part is like so iconic. I feel like. No, that's true. It seems to me that um, it's like very interesting in how it's playing with suspense because most horror movies are like, are they going to die? And that's what, the, well, that's where the sp- suspense comes from. And this is like, you know that they're going to die. It's just a matter of how. And so it, it does seem like it's um, like self-referential and playing on tropes in the same way Scream does in that it's, it's like playing with audience expectations mm-hmm. and, and it's being really smart with how it's creating suspense of like, you're used to one thing and we're introducing this whole new way to build tension, yeah. which is not, when it's not if it's when exactly and and how and each movie brings its own little like solution so the last movie was like new life begets death and now in this one it's if you skip it like if you're able to skip it it should go to the next person so if you almost die you're in a near-death experience uh, but then you're able to survive. It skips to the next person. Like the uh, Nickelback uh, video. Exactly like the Nickelback video. Or it and follows. Exactly like it follows. Uh, but like 10 years before that. Right. Wow, <laughs> the original able. It Follows. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, so I, I like that one too, because then it causes for once the actual antagonist of these series where there is a guy whose name is Ian McKinley. He figures that out and he tries to then kill everybody else because he's like well if i just kill them i don't care my girlfriend has died because she got a nail gun to the face so yeah it happens it happens when you work at home hardware it happens sure and at first he's very like you know he's like pessimistic about it he's like whatever i don't care this like you know whatever the worst is going to happen is going to happen and it does happen and he's like no i don't care at all about anything uh i'll just kill whoever else is 
behind me in line. Right. Okay. Have they done anything to kind of reinvent the wheel in terms of just not stick to the same beats that they normally do and kind of like we just watched that review for the new Halloween ends evil dies tonight um <laughs> but they kind of talk about a lot of people not liking that movie but a lot of people are also liking it because yeah. it's out yeah Ooh, okay I, gotta go I want to see that because it kind of take the whole Halloween film and kind of do it from a wholly different angle, right? That's mm. like Michael Myers is not even in most of the movie. It's kind of seen through the eyes of someone else and just watching their slow, the slow demise until they just become evil or whatever it is. Mm. But it's like, we've done however many of these movies, let's try and figure out a different way of telling the story. But then I guess you also run that risk of being like, I wanted it to be like the other ones or whatever. Cause I would, I would often think of final destination as like the kind of, fast and furious of that genre of yeah. horror where it kind of it's a same kind of thing and it turns into people going to the theater and being like oh yeah no don't go like you're kind of like screaming at yeah. the theater right because it's the same kind of thing anytime with family you know whatever and the people <laughs> scream for those movies and fast and furious and all that kind of stuff yeah but, i mean i don't think they yeah. so the next installment being the final destination, which was meant to be the last one. Uh, they did not do that. And in fact, they leaned way hard into exactly what you expect to happen. Yeah. And it's by far the worst one. It yeah. is horrible. They get a little lazy. They get a little lazy. It's so forgettable. It's so paint by numbers because what they thought was going to be the huge draw of this movie was it being in 3D. Yeah. And like, <laughs> that's never you, a huge You've never draw. seen, yeah, uh, violence in HD like this. Like, I think, is that the one where the girl is doing the gymnastics no. and she falls and splits in half? No, that's the next one. Oh. This is the oh, one that I saw that in one. Oh, that was fucked. So we'll get to the fifth one. But the fourth one is uh, it takes place at like a NASCAR race. And I think also oh, they yeah. started to realize that like what the draw is, is like, where is this going to happen? Because that's what scares people also the most is like these movies take place in everyday situations. Get, you get on a plane, get on the highway, get on a roller coaster. Sure, I'm usually at the NASCAR People track. die every day. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, in America. Get in the cancer ward. Yeah, yeah. In the cancer <laughs> ward, the, the when the chemo machine blows up. <laughs> Damn. Blast radius. Is you think it's going to be the, the, cancer. the tumor. <laughs> <laughs> Not the tumor. Yeah. The tumor. Um, anyway, so it's a NASCAR race. A group of friends go and there's like a crazy crash that then like flies all of these parts everywhere and the cars drive into the stand and it's horrible. Similar to that of Cars 3. Yes. It, I actually think it, this was like the so alternate. Many good references for me to check out. Yeah, Thank yeah. you. Have you seen Cars 3? <laughs> Just like that. I'm going to watch all of these. Watch them back to back. Uh, and I think this was the one where, A, that situation made no sense. It made no sense that, like, so many people died yeah. <laughs> that were not on the track. They were just up for, like, pure spectacle at that point. Yeah, and it's like a tire comes and it, like, rips this whole woman in half and her body yeah. just kind of, like, slides off. And you're like, and then that's where it gets, like, it's not even, like, it's just cheesy all of them have been pretty cheesy but this is like by far the most irredeemably cheesy but right. then they don't go cheesy enough for it to be like a very specific nascar truck or car where it's like the m&m car that's the one that flies into it or it's jeff gordon the most famous nascar racer is like oh no or whatever and like you see the whole I don't thing know i don't think they is. got the rights to that jeff gordon no it's very famous. It does Sarah Gordon's dad. At least yeah. the first movie seemed pretty small budget. Considering. Yeah, it was. I think the yeah, first one was like. I couldn't bag Jeff for the first one. Or the M&M car. Or the, or the M&M, M&M car. <laughs> so good, though. 
Wait, I just have a side question about like how we judge horror movies. Does dialogue count for anything? Because in the reviews you sent me, they were like, dialogue's pretty bad in all of them. Like it's like a... Yeah, it's a cheesy, cheesy dialogue. Yeah, not driven movie. I think to me, like to me, Hereditary is like scary movie, great dialogue. That's that's like a like a spooky drama. I would yeah, but it's like it's because it's written like a family drama first. That's well written, and then a scary movie after. Or if we go back to like my touch point of Scream, it's like terrible dialogue, but like very uh, aware of it. Like yeah, purposely so. They're playing into the camp. Yeah, high camp. So I find that for Final Destination, it's campy, but they're not treating it as camp because they're like looking at it like everyone who's in it is like taking it kind of well the first one too for seriously sure. the first yeah. one for sure but like the first one i think i take the most seriously and it's played the most seriously by the fourth one they have the biggest budget so like the first one's 23 million right two and three are like 25 million four is 40 million and at this point it's like dialogue schmialogue it actually doesn't matter and they yeah. do all these like small little subplots that like just mm-hmm. It's just a waste of time. The fourth movie is just so stupid, and they had the highest budget, so they went all out. I hope I don't die at this race. Exactly. Yeah. And it's stuff like that. We're going to a movie. What's the worst that could happen? Oh, the mall collapses? And it's like... This popcorn's too salty. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <But> it, <laughs> took a second to click. <laughs> I mean, Dies pretty much. Thirst. Hey, Final Destination 6, you need a writer? I'm, I'm right here. You're amazing. Yeah, you know exactly. The slow burn <laughs> <laughs> the movie's three hours the lord of the rings extended cut yeah, popcorn's yeah. too salty oh yeah i dropped my phone and it's off can't call anyone um yeah the fourth one just like it just goes so stupid and it goes too silly into like those are things that would never happen so like yeah. what do i have to be scared of i don't know how often a truck is gonna drive into the front of this cafe i'm sitting in with my friends um unless your spider-man happens quite often that's true so they're leaning into being bad at a certain yeah, point. Yeah, then they're leaning into they're being iconically so cheesy. bad. So then, like, in the fourth movie, one of the, the guy who's, like, the asshole character of the movie who, like, you want him to die and he sucks, He uh, he's, like, really into golfing and he's, like, a, an asshole. He has, like, a lucky coin or something. Those two things are synonymous. I got yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he goes to the pool where he's just had, no like... No offense, Elliot's family. Sorry, Elliot. <laughs> My dad doesn't have a lucky coin. Okay, no, he great. doesn't have a lucky coin. He's just had, like, sex with this girl and treats her horribly on the pool deck. Like, they're, like, in, like, a little tent. And I'm like, do people do that? Is there usually a tent for sex in well, the pool at the golf club? Has someone ever approached you at the pool deck with a lucky coin? It gets the juices going. Oh my god! But why is there a, a tent on the pool deck yeah. in a golf resort? Because he knows what's going to happen. Oh, He's he put prepped. up the tent. He brought the tent. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like yeah. a like, it's a mech tent. He just yeah. <laughs> assembled that afternoon. Girls are going to come in here. He's like, my I just, lucky I just, tent. I just shot a one hundred and eight. You want to look at this coin? She's yeah. like, I just, I'll just get the, I'll Let me just, just take my I'll shirt just off. get the tent. Yeah, yeah. One hundred and eight seems like a pretty bad score. No, aren't you shooting for I have, zero? I have no idea. I've never played with score. <laughs> okay, well you're going yeah. for zero, so <laughs> or under. <laughs> you had 108 strokes. You, That's pretty bad. You know how golf works, though. <laughs> yeah, but like someone said, like it's always with the handicap. Anyway, we're getting off topic here. One part. Anyways, on 19 yeah, holes, I they shot, took how many shots is that per hole? I shot a 40 90. 40 90. What wow, does that, that even is mean? way too much. Anyway, keep going. Derailed. If you play golf, don't don't mess with us. Yeah. 
Anyways, he flips his lucky coin. It falls into the pool. Uh, it gets sucked into the pool's like suction pump, mm-hmm. and then he then gets sucked onto the floor of the pool, so oh. he can't breathe. He's drowning. I remember that. And then he ends up on the hole, and it sucks out all his organs through his anus, mm-hmm. and it's that's like a how he dies. Reverse glory hole. Yeah, it's exactly right. like that. And then all of his organs come spluttering out the other side, mm-hmm. and uh, that was like an urban legend at my camp. Was that a girl? Um, her hair got trapped in the pool vent and at the bottom and she drowned down there. And I used to be scared to go down to the bottom of the pool. Sure. What if she got stuck anus first? Yeah. Which I, mean, I was also worried would happen more often in the Teletubbies. Cause don't they have that sucky thing in the, the Teletubbies? Yeah. It didn't, it didn't Wouldn't happen. Wouldn't the water be draining? No. Cause he's like covering it. Oh, he's like sitting he's, on it fully being covered by anus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. I just, I'd love to know what, what went wrong technically with their vents. There's like a whole thing. It's like this goes off in the pool and then this nail right. falls out and then this pump goes into yeah, reverse. Because if you know anything about pool pumps, it's. I know as much as I do about golf scores as pool pumps. It's, it's normal. It should be zero. And then it's, <laughs> and then it's the strength to pull your entrails out. It's yeah. either or. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oliver, please let us know. Anyway, so it's stuff like that that's just so dumb. Yeah. Uh, and then the movie ends, and the coroner is not in this movie. Even Tony Todd was like, this is too dumb for me. I don't even think it takes place in the same place, and it's like not even really related to like, I think the car that crashes is like car 180. His contract was up, and he was over it. Yeah, he was over it. Uh, Dust in the Wind doesn't play in this one. Um, and so then they take a couple years off. Everybody was very upset with that ending of the franchise. They come back with Final Destination 5, which slapped. Huh. Really? Hit it out of the park. So again, we start off. It's like a they work for like some sort of factory. It's like a group of people going on a work retreat. I don't know what their company makes. It's like paper or something. I can't even remember. And they're going on. Is this the office? Yeah. I mean, Dunder Mifflin. Yeah, it's Dunder Mifflin. They're going on a retreat. They're going over the suspension bridge. Angela? Is she there? Angela's there. Andy's there. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Michael's there. Dwight is there. Michael and Jim and Pam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Ryan. And uh, I think there is a character named Ryan in this one. And so, anyways, they're going over the bridge. Nicholas DeGasto, who I had a huge crush on through most of my childhood after I saw Fired Up. He's the main character in this one. He has a premonition that the bridge is going to collapse because they're doing construction. He gets his girlfriend off, who he doesn't know was going to break up with him anyways. uh, And he saves, like, a handful of people. So then we start again. And this way, like, they kind of lean into the cornier stuff. Like, there's a guy who's going for acupuncture. And uh, he gets all the little needles in him and he's kind of like the asshole of this movie. And you think that like this isn't going to go wrong with the acupuncture. He falls off the bed. They all go into him, but that's not what kills him. Nope. Then you think that the fire that gets started in the room while he's in there alone is what's going to kill him. Nope. It's the Buddha statue. It's a statue. That falls on his head and kills him. I have him. seen that one. Yeah, you've seen this, this one. This makes sense because I thought that review you sent me was all from one movie. And I was like, wow. No, it's all of the movies. That makes sense. Yeah. So uh, so then this movie, it, again, it's the same thing. He's like trying to figure out like, okay, everybody's dying one by one. We now have that like antagonist who's like bitter that his girlfriend died and is willing to take a life to save his own. We're doing all of those tropes in this one. Mm-hmm. We do also have the coroner who's like, you can't cheat death. And he's there at the company-wide funeral because a lot of people didn't get off that bus. And he's like, damn, a lot of people. Uh, but 
after the years, at what point they start questioning this guy who's like always there when this thing this happens? One just mortician. like, what do you know what's going on? Help us! Like, well, that's what was... they do. At one point in the first movie, they break into the coroner's office because they're like, "Bitch, what the fuck? What's going on? You gotta help us!" And he's uh. like, "I can't help you." Uh, they do do that. Anyways, do you think this move, this franchise, is about religion at all? It could be. So I think you could you interpret it to, it to be about that. Could it could be about you know like raising children it could be about um, you think this movie is about raising children the environment it I could heard, be about wow you're you're reading so much into this <laughs> i heard this interesting Beautiful. anecdotal story this is super off topic but it, it's called two boats and a helicopter have you ever heard of it no and it's about this very devout man there's a hurricane coming through his town everybody's like trying to evacuate trying to get out the water's getting higher and higher and he gets up onto his roof and he doesn't evacuate because he has faith that god is going to save him sure he's like god will save me god will get me out of this a rescue boat comes up they're like hey man do you want to ride he's like no no i'm waiting god will make sure i live god will get me out of this he denies the boat hours pass his house is destroyed the water's still rising another boat comes by He's like, they're like, this is the last boat out of here. Like, if you don't get on this, you're going to die. And he's like, no, no, I have faith in God. God has never let me down. God's going to get me out of here. That boat goes by. Hours later, he's thirsty. He's hungry. He's starving. He's on the roof of his house. It's raining like crazy. A helicopter comes by. Helicopter's like, this is it. He's like, no, no, God will save me. And God doesn't save him. He dies. This is in that same movie? No, I'm just this telling a, a little story. anecdote. Oh. <laughs> Keep up, please. Yeah, listen, Elliot. Sorry. Just tuned out for one second. <laughs> and God said. I was like, I don't know this at all. <laughs> he dies. He gets to heaven. He's like, God, what the fuck? Why didn't you save me? And God's like, what are you talking about? I sent you two boats and a helicopter and you didn't take them. Yeah. I, I was going to be like, I feel like God really tried to help him out there. And yeah. he, he said no. He was blind to it. He wanted God to physically get up and get him. Sometimes faith is not what you think it is. And maybe that's what these movies are about. Yeah. Mm. I agree. That's beautiful. Also, maybe the guy was like, well, my time's up anyway. So I might as well kick the can now because God's going to kill me soon anyway. I don't think that was the moral of the story, but interpretation. That's, that's Final Destination's interpretation. Final This Final Destination movie has the iconic death scene of the woman who's going to get laser eye surgery. Yeah, I remember it, that too. That one really messed me up. It goes awry. The laser just starts cutting into her eyeball. It's on way too bright because of a series of technical issues. She's left alone and then she falls out a window and dies. That seems pretty uh, unrealistic that your LASIK eye surgery is on like the 29th like floor. The surgery and walks out midway. Because the people who are trying to be like, she's gonna die, she's gonna die, disrupt the office to the point where the guy doing the surgery is like, what the hell is going on? Stop banging and on my door. And he leaves his laser on? Hmm. Also, just don't have eye surgery above floor four. Yeah. Because that's not what kills her is a laser. It's falling out the window. She falls yeah, out the she window. falls out the window. She can't see. And or just her, have like, 20-20 vision. Her eye like pops or something. Yeah. It's really gross. You know what's cool? Gray vision. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just be, just have better eyesight. Just be genetically strong. Just yeah. have, but also the, I think one of the most iconic ones is the gym one that you guys were talking about. Again, this woman's like doing this, she's like a, a gymnast. She's doing this whole training track 
and there's like a one screw falls from the air conditioning above her and it falls straight onto the high beam while she's doing some flips and it's all these close-ups of her foot just dancing over top of the screw and yeah. you keep yeah. waiting for her to step on it which wouldn't kill her which wouldn't kill her. No, it'd just, be no. A, just be a bad afternoon. And then she's going and she's swinging on those bars and you keep seeing the screws falling out of those. And then you think it's going to be that. But instead she does a flip. Somebody like claps some chalk in front of a fan. She can't see. She flips like crazy, falls, splits her whole body in half. And when she does that and then you see her like split open like a calzone or whatever, she's kind of like laid out like that. It looks like she has so calzone. many extra bones that yeah. don't exist because they like stick out like, yeah, they, like, protrude like, through, like yeah. right random pieces and I remember watching him be like where are these bones coming from it's <laughs> yeah, like so strange where did you snap because like if you snapped in the middle it would just be your spine and like maybe yeah. the top of your hip bones or whatever yeah, yeah it seems like, all these, like looks like fish teeth it's like yeah. really strange I also feel like the force of flipping off of a beam would not be enough to like snap you in snap half. your body in half like yeah you'd break a bone for sure maybe maybe be paralyzed but the best part of that was after when they go in like what happened or whatever like the police show mm-hmm. up and the answer that they literally say is just like i don't know it yeah. doesn't make sense why this happened it yeah. should be impossible They're like we can't even recreate this if we wanted to yeah. also aren't gymnasts taught how to like fall properly where you roll into your fall she couldn't see I feel like you don't need to see. That's just like they're trained into how to well, like have somebody, break like, their fall. Strong core muscles. You would think they would be like strong enough to like keep everything together. That's just the other get like thing. a bad sprain. Like the clip you you sent with the Buddha falling on that guy's head. I was like, is that enough to like smash someone's brain like a watermelon? Like it does. It's camp. It is camp. <laughs> I like that Buddha needed to fall from a lot higher to it needed more velocity. Yeah. I mean, but this movie, I think, does... So, this is my third favorite movie. I think Of they, all times? Yeah, yeah, of all times. <laughs> of all times. It's Amadeus. Yeah, yeah. La La Land. La La Land. Final Decision Final 5. Decision 5. <laughs> Perfect. I think they do such a good job of, like, striking the balance of, like, camp, and it's silly, and it's stupid, but also kind of taking the story seriously, and it's going somewhere. And so, the whole th- the whole time, Nicholas DeGasto, he is like an aspiring chef. He has, I don't know how he has the time to be a chef and also work at a paper company. Um, People have time for jobs and hobbies, as we're proving today. Mm-hmm. You're right. You're right. And uh, so, he has this offer to go to Paris to like work at this cafe. He's like with his girlfriend who wants to break up with him, anyways. He's like, please, let's give it a shot. Let's go. Mm-hmm. All the while, his like ex best friend is trying to kill him because he's like, you know, my girlfriend died. I'm going to die. I don't care. Why should your girlfriend who you saved get to live? Uh, and so then we have this great moment towards the end where another guy who works at the factory, he's having a fight with this guy who works there. They have this little subplot and that guy dies instead of him. And so then we, we get back in that trope of like, if you, if someone else dies in your place, it skips you. Yeah. But that guy who died only had six weeks to live. (gasps) So the guy's going to die anyways, but it doesn't even matter because Nicholas DeGasto and his girlfriend get on the flight they go to Paris and what flight is it? It's flight 180. This is a prequel. This is the flight that blows up in wow. the first movie. Wow. So wow. Nicholas DeGasto dies anyways. It is full circle. And then you see, which they did, which was really smart. And that's one of my favorite parts about it is that when he's getting on the flight, you see the freak out from the first movie, but it's from his perspective. So he's watching this random kid freak out and all of these other kids have to get off the plane with him. And the teacher gets off the plane. That's And cool. then he stays on the plane 
Nicholas DeGasto's character and it blows up in the way that it did in the first movie. Love a full circle moment. Yeah. Beautiful. And that's it. And to me, that was iconic. Uh, Anything full circle is iconic for me as well. Do you think um, M. Night Shyamalan watched that and then thought when he made Split then Glass to put uh, that guy on the train that falls apart at the beginning of a breakable to connect those movies in a circle the same way. Do you remember that? You think final destination was the first person to do, um, it was a person, the first first. movie franchise to do that. No, I'm just saying that that maybe that was the kicker that M night Shyamalan needed to then create that extra. If that is the case, then this movie is iconic. Mm. This movie franchise. Maybe. Can we get M night on the phone? I'll, Call him. I'll look him up. Start with M. Yeah. In your contacts. M Knight. <laughs> M M Knight, are you there? Um, it's me, Elliot. But yeah, that's the five Final Destination movies. There's apparently a sixth one that's in pre-production. Good lord. A pre-prequel? I don't know. I don't know how they're going to fit it in. I think like they really only made this movie to make up for how badly the fourth yeah. one was received. And I think it is a very nice fitting ending. It makes you feel like everything happened for a reason. Yeah. Except for the fourth one. Let's just ignore that. Uh, right. But yeah. And and then you find out that it's actually you think it's taking place in modern time, but it's actually taking place in 1999. Mm-hmm. But for some reason they have smartphones. They don't have smartphones. That's one of the first clues is that everybody has a flip phone. Some people don't have a cell phone at all. Oh. So I like, I get the rules of the world. Mm -hmm. I like it. Yeah. But I don't like, and it is so famous and like has played with genre in a very specific way that is quite like unique. But for me, I just, I haven't watched them and I don't know if I want to. And I don't know if that can, I don't think I can call it iconic because of that. Like these, I just, there's so many other horror movies that are doing interesting things that I think I'd like to watch before I would ever watch Final Destination. And key part of our iconic uh, decision-making, no costume. I feel like you could go as a dead person, like Mm. one of the victims. Yeah, but then you're just any dead person. Like if you go specifically as the woman split in half, (laughs) then maybe, but I don't know if you dress up as a roller coaster. Yeah. I mean, the issue is that there is no villain other than death. Well, there's no formless. There's no focal visual focal point, right. To like attach yourself to, to know immediately and see me like, Oh, that's from that. Yeah. There's no Bagul. There's no Freddy or Jason. It feels, um, I mean, I would almost love it more, not love it, but respect it more if it had just been one, but it seems like they, they were just like feeding a machine. Like they found an audience and then just continued to make these until there was, yeah, until they like buried it until they killed it. Just like they do all of their main characters. I, they also make a lot of money. So I think that's right. They're big money makers. Well, horror does very well compared to any other genre of movie it's very consistently does well because people like to go and people like to feel safe but scared yeah people like to go and you know with their friends and be freaked out for a little hour and a half or whatever but but if you gave me a game of like would you rather in terms of what do you want to watch and put it like yeah i would never pick that yeah i don't think it would ever be my pick oh a rainy day with some like 
chocolate my god some broccoli cheddar soup um i'm also kind of in the camp of leaning for it to not be iconic just because the only part of it that screams iconic to me is the poster for the third one of the people in the roller coaster just of the time and place where it came out and just like visualizing that and being like, oh, that's going to be like a good like sleepover movie to watch or something like that. Okay. But it's just in the, in the grand scale of slasher horror of that kind of similar genre. I don't think it kind of breaks the, I don't know. I'd rather watch scream. Yeah, or like Scream or like even like the old Friday the 13th movies or like the new Friday the 13th new movies. Friday the 13th movies. Um the like old Halloween, Halloween, the new Halloween the movies. The new Halloween, the new um, Okay, I got it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I it's get just it. it's it's one of those like you have a an attachment to lights yeah, out. Nostalgic. But the same that you have the attachment to lights out, but I feel like you ask 10 people while walking down the street if they've seen lights out maybe two of them haven't even heard of it haven't you (laughs) there you go (laughs) yeah and it's just kind of one of those series that makes money because people recognize it but it's not like people not clapping their ass cheeks to like go up to see final destination six I am. Well, you definitely are. Yeah. You will be there day one. Ticket in hand. Matinee. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. Mat- that's what I want to say. The first matinee. I'm too scared to go at night. Um, What's your final argument? I mean, I just think there's so many iconic visuals. I think that there are things that intrinsically made people scared that they didn't know they were scared of. It just changed the way that you see everyday life, which that's what I think is scariest. And to me, that's iconic. Yeah. I hear what you're saying. I respect your opinion. This is the same deal with Mike Wazowski of like, <laughs> you you think it's fundamentally changed society in a way. And I was like, I just don't think that's true. I don't think this is as iconic as Mike Wazowski. No, Mike oh, was on a, a sco- Mike, scale of iconic. Like Mike Wazowski is, you're, you are so stupidly wrong in that category, Katie. It's like embarrassing. You, the words that are coming out of your mouth right Mike now. Mike Wazowski changed it's lives. Just, he is, He's still changing lives. Yeah, he is just, that is. Really, really that could not. Be the, if he was real, he could be the president at yes. this point. If you were to kind of recommend uh, a watching progression for people to go and if they haven't seen any of them, would you tell them to go in order? Or would you say like, Hey, start with this one. Do this is the next best blah, blah, blah. And you're I just down. say watch all of them in order and skip four. Okay. Four is worthless, mm. which is iconic in its own right, but I'll do it. You're not going to watch them. Uh, okay. I do have to watch the show first. I'm, I don't think I love them enough to fight for their iconic status. I hear you guys. I think you're valid. I just think that whenever I see a bunch of logs go by on a highway, I am a bit scared. Sure. And to be fair, that gives it a point because I do think of that as well when I am driving as well. I do think of things hitting me or whatever. I feel like, unfortunately for you... Our friend Maggie couldn't be here. I think she would be very much yeah. in your camp. Well, just before that happened, uh, in Toronto recently, somebody was driving on the highway and a and a wheel flew off of a truck and flew into their windshield and they almost died. Yeah, sure. Ouch. Scary. Yes, I think Maggie would be on my side. And so. 
for the driver, unfortunately, was like, God, sorry, I just, I wish I watched those movies. They're just not as iconic enough for me to get into them. <laughs> well, lastly, I just want to say that these movies were inspired by, or the first one at least, by there's a story of a woman who was like, hey, uh, to her daughter who had a flight the next day, was like, I have a really bad feeling about your flight. You should please try and take another one. And the flight that the daughter was supposed to be on crashed. <gasps> This is a whole side conversation I wanted to have about premonitions that I think we should have at one point. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I believe in premonitions. Great. All right. Well. Well, folks at home, let us know if you think the Final Destination series is iconic and if you've watched them and if you like them. But as always, thank you for stopping by. <laughs>